when we make the switch to electric vehicles, you're looking at probably one of the greatest fundamental transitions of the labor force in the United States you've ever seen. And the reason for that is because you don't need car dealers because they deal them direct. And the car dealers aren't going to do it anyway because they don't make money on service because these cars don't need service. They don't need they don't need oil change. They don't need transmissions. They don't need any of that stuff. Your mo- your batteries can go bad and over Tesla time. Tesla comes to your house and fixes it. Right. They have their own service. So you're going to need mechanics, but you're not going to need as many because they don't need as much Work. maintenance. So you're not going to need repair shops, gas stations, auto parts stores, Uber. And this is where it gets into full self-driving. If you get a car that'll drive itself, you get a robo taxi taxi and people go, oh, that'll never happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's so close to happen. Go on YouTube, watch the guys that are on version 9.2. They can show you. Waymo's trying to do it. Apple's trying to do it. Everybody's, there's so much money there. It's going to happen. Even if it's not Tesla, and I think it'll be Tesla, but even if it's not, somebody's going to do it. Lyft, Uber, all those drivers, not going to need them. Truck drivers. So Tesla semi, guys saying, well, I'm not going to drive a Tesla. You may not for a while, but eventually it's going to get to the point where the long runs going from going from warehouse to warehouse might not need a driver. All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays at the barn, but not anymore. We've kind of let it all out, and we're going to continue to do so. Uh, this is a solo. This is a solo version. Um, no guests today. It's just me and my sidekick Sawyer. I'm Tork's son. If you haven't known that already, if you're not a faithful listener, uh, it's a it's a son and dad duo we're we're taking the world by storm as far as podcasts go and all i want to say is if you get any value from the show share it out that's all we ask from you guys that's the ticket to admission we don't run any ads on the show yet so we're just here for you guys we're here to drop value we're here to do some good in this world so share it out to your friends share it out to your family share it to your coworkers, whoever if you like the show and get anything from it so dad and I have been really thinking about this about you know just how the direction of the show is going to go and since we live in Southeast Iowa, it's kind of hard to get guests every single week. So I think we're going to come up with three different kind of shows, three different kind of shows inside of one show. So one's going to be, one's going to be us just kind of doing it solo, dad and I talking in a single podcast. Another one's going to be, I think dad and I answering questions. So we're going to ask for next week's episode, we're going to do a Q&A episode where we just answer your guys' questions, all your thoughts, what you want to know about us, what you want to know about what we think about things, whatever. Drop them down below. And next week's episode, we're going to answer all your questions. So whatever you want to know from us, drop it down below. And then the third kind of concept of a show will be we'll have a guest on and we'll interview them. So I think that's a good direction to go to you know, spice up the content a little bit and make it so we don't have to rely on having a guest here because like I said, we're not in New York City. We're not in California, thank God. I'm not complaining about it, but it's just harder to get guests. So that's all I wanted to say. Dad, what's the what's the markets look like? First of all, I'll say shout out to uh our friends at Zoetis. Uh even though even though Draxon went 
off patent, they still scrounged away enough money to get us uh, some nice Zoetis t-shirts. So thanks. Yeah, to- I'm not repping, but I did get a Zoetis hat and shirt. So thank you. Yeah. Shout out to Amos Griner. Amo, yeah. if you know Amo, which a lot of people do. He's he, the man. He should be the de facto CEO of Zoetis just out of longevity. Yeah, he's a he's a he's been there a long, long time. And shout out to Chip, my buddy Chip. He intern worked, Chip. He got an internship at Zoetis this summer. He goes to Iowa State. He's a good good buddy. I've known him for a long time, and he kind of helped us get these T-shirts because we've been we've been bugging Amos to get us some free merch. So he finally sweetened the deal. I don't yeah. know. He just finally got him here because yeah. Amos is a little like a squirrel. He yeah. runs all over. He's he's, got, he's driven. He he's got a driven. lot to do. He's done. He is a busy man. Okay. Well, so the sun's still shining, so we're actually a little ahead of the game uh, for once. Um, so the Friday, the, the market update, uh, sponsored by Nobody, is, um, is the close of, of Friday. And... Um, I don't know. The markets have been kind of trading sideways, up and down. People can't decide whether, or the board can't decide if we've got enough rain or too much rain, or whether the crop is uh, good, bad, or indifferent. So, um, corn at ADM in Cedar Rapids is six seventy eight, and that doesn't make a whole lot of difference because nobody wants to drive up there and sit in line anyway. Um, and around here, local, it's six fifty five is about the best is about the best bid among the the mills, the local market. Soybeans closed fourteen thirteen and that was that was uh I think that was the I think that's the Burlington bid. Meekers is just a hair higher across the river and locally like thirteen ninety seven. Hogs are hundred and eight. They've been floating around there, um, haven't changed much in the last couple of weeks to be honest. Cattle 123. But Bitcoin Bitcoin has it's coming back, baby. It's coming back. It's coming back hard. Uh, last I checked, it was right around. It was hovering right around forty three thousand. So it hasn't been very long ago. Uh, it was about twenty eight thousand. Right when we had Grant on the show. Yeah, and he was like, I don't know. I haven't figured out when it's going to go into a bull run, but it might yeah. be going into a bull run again. Who knows? Well, that's the thing. Nobody knows. A lot of people are speculating uh, it could hit a hundred thousand by the end of the year, but. They were expecting it to hit uh, five hundred thousand, yeah, at the, in January. So, um, Ethereum's had a big run too. Uh, Twenty nine hundred dollars is where it was at the last time I checked it. Which um, it had a fork. I think a new. We're not going to get into that, but it, it had an update in its in its uh, in its language or how it how it operates, and that that's kind of gotten a boost to it. And Tesla had a real good week. It it backed off a little bit here on Friday, but it had had a big run this week. I think it got up to about seven twenty five, maybe. Um, they had good earnings here, uh, what a week ago, and I think people are kind of starting to figure out that uh, they got a lot of ways that they're going to make a lot of money, and so people are the volumes up, so people are getting into it. Um. So with that said, what we we're kind of thinking about today. Um, there, in a year's time, or not even a year's time, the amount of change that has is coming and continues to come uh, is kind of crazy. And we were just going to spend the day today talking about our thoughts on the future and what it looks like, kind of like we did a long time ago. About I don't know, was it two months ago or so? Yeah, it's probably been ago. two months. 
since we talked about it last, but we didn't really get into everything we wanted to talk about. And we probably won't get into everything today either. Yeah, we're going to try to keep... Another thing I forgot to mention, when it's just Dad and I, and we're doing Q&A or we're doing a solo episode, we're not going to keep it as long as when we have guests on, because we want to get the most out of when we have guests on, but we want to try to keep it short and sweet when it's just us. So we're going to try to cram as much information as we can in the short 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So when, when I was throwing this around and we were talking back and forth, Sawyer was like, what are you going to call it? And, and my, my de facto name for this podcast is the death of money. And by that, I kind of mean, um, the dollar, the dollar fiat currency, um, and what, how the economy money, physical money. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that work that, um, each piece by itself, you just kind of look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, that's that's interesting. But we're gonna we're gonna stitch together a pattern, and maybe it's a way that you guys haven't thought about this, and um, see what you think when we when we tie it all together. We'll put a bow on it at the end and yeah. see whether or not it. <laughs> it's a good present, or if you want to throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, or, right. We're just gonna share what we, what we think. So, so kind of what got me thinking about uh, this subject this week was. So Square, um, just about everybody knows uh, Square is the company that has the card readers that just a lot of merchants, a lot of restaurants. A lot of local shops in your town might have yeah. it. It's a white little box. You put it on your iPad, your phone, and then you scan the card and yeah. all that good stuff. And they also own Cash App, which is like Venmo. So you can send money back and forth between people. And so they made an announcement um, about two weeks ago. Maybe it's been three that they they've actually started their own bank. Now they used to offer services through another company, through another bank. They were kind of piggybacking off them, but they've actually got their own um, their own bank facility. Yep. And so they're offering checking accounts and savings accounts to business owners that use the Square software. Um, so like. Uh, this will do farmhouse, uh, aka my wife. She has a brick and mortar store in the Shout little out town. To the mercantile, I got her. I got there her go. t-shirt on right Representing. now. Representing, representing you, mom. Um, out she'll be you. she'll be proud of that. Heck yeah! So she uses Square, and um, she actually just set up her savings because uh, all the money goes to Square, and then it gets transferred to her bank. But she's going to use the savings to um, save her. Uh, sales tax so that it automatically goes into that account just for on sales square. tax so on square right now she's using her bank account in our local town yes but she's going to use a savings account through square so right. she can put the sales tax in the savings account yep gotcha so the other money will still go into Did her. they just come out with that feature recently yes in the last okay. last 10 two weeks probably so why did she want so she's doing savings over a checking account no she she well she has a checking account at her brick and mortar bank yep. and all of her, you know, all her credit cards, all of her accounts that are on um, terms all yep. go through there. And if you, you know, she doesn't like, she doesn't like technology that well. And right. so she didn't want to make the jump to having it all come out of there. I feel like eventually they're going to make it. So the advantage is that savings account pays a half a percent interest, which that's not great, but it's a lot better than what you're most getting. Banks. Most banks. Right. And it's it's real easy. So it's one we've talked about this before. They make it so simple um, to set up the savings, and she can have 
she wants five savings accounts, she can have five savings accounts. Mm-hmm. Basically, they make it a folder system where within that savings account, you can um, you can department departmentalize. Is that yeah, a word? Compartmentalize. Oh, compartment. Yeah. Cap, just get, my girlfriend would be proud of me because I mess up that word every time I try saying <laughs> it, but I just nailed it. So There you go. Heck yeah. Um, so, you know, she can have her sales tax in one. She can have um, something else. Yeah, I, I saw, know. I actually saw a TikTok the other day of a business owner that said you should have a bank account for all the payments to come in that, you know, all your revenue you need to have in a bank account. Then you have a, need to have a payroll bank account, your profit bank account, and then a taxes bank account. So yep. he just gets it all through one, puts the money in the payroll, puts the pro- takes 10% out of the revenue, checking account puts it in the profit, 10% into the taxes. Yep. And that's a, I was like, wow, that's a really good system. I didn't even think about doing it that and, way. But you could easily do it that way on Square. They yeah, make it and, simple. And they'll automate it. So what the what there's a there's a way in there. So every sale, you can just say that a percentage of every sale goes to this, this, and this. Yeah. So and oh, then, that's nice. And then you the, don't physically have to transfer; it just does it. Right. right. It'll do it automatically. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that happened, like I said, that happened here a couple weeks ago that they started doing that. But then here just a few days ago, maybe, well, maybe it was Monday, Square announced that they bought a company called Afterpay. And Afterpay is based out of Australia, but over half their revenue comes from the United States. And what that is, and many of you may have seen this if you've been on a, if you've been on a website that sells probably bigger items, like if you're talking furniture, you're talking electronics, um, I know Apple does this in-house. Like if you get on Apple's website and you're looking to buy a computer, they'll have a deal where you can buy it, you buy it today, and then they automatically bill you at no interest um, 12 payments or 24 oh, payments yeah, or whatever. That. So that's that's the company that does that. So Afterpay that. is a company that does that. Um, and the reason that it's growing so fast is because among younger people – they do not like traditional credit card companies. They're not, you know, they're not big on carrying the American Express card. Or mm. they, I think that they they have grown up with parents that have credit card debt, and they don't want credit card debt. Well, yeah, you're told credit's bad, credit's bad, credit's bad. It's actually not bad. It's really useful if you can pay your damn credit card off or you build credit because then it's if you pay off your credit, you know, and you get good credit while you grow up. And you're, it's a lot of leverage that you can use for yeah. yourself. It's so. a tool if you use it correctly. Right. But so. if you use it incorrectly, it's not so good. If you're responsible, you'll be all right. But yeah. What Square is doing is, and they paid, they paid a buttload. They paid $29 billion for this. However, it was an all stock deal. And the crazy thing about it is, I don't know where Square stock was when they purchased it, but I, I saw somebody talking about this. And basically, you know, if they paid, 29 billion for it and the stock was at 260 let's say it was at 260 I don't know what it was at and it goes to $300 a share well you basically cut the you cut the cost of that acquisition by I don't know if you cut it 10% but the number gets smaller as the stock goes up now the reverse is if if they screw up and if the stock market goes to pot and square stock goes down the cost of that gets a lot greater but right. Basically, they didn't use any money. It was all stock. So yeah. everybody that owned, there was an owner and after pay, and I think it was a privately held. I don't know if it was public. public. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, well, I think it's they'll earn their money back whether it goes down or up. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a smart play for the future. It is because um, 
that is a growing, that's growing exponentially. And you're seeing all these other credit card companies, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, they are all scrambling to offer that service. But all of those, that whole system is anchored in brick and mortar banks. And that is where Square, and I'll even say PayPal, it really got me rolling about it because as I read up about it, um, they are they are in direct competition with all these old the the brick and mortar banks, the J.P. Morgan's, um, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, all of them, and their cost of doing business is way less. Um, the average cost of a bank to acquire a customer, yeah is somewhere between $1,200 and $2,000 a person. And the cost for Square is between $20 and $40. And so they don't have all these locations. They're not paying all these tellers. They're not, they're... Right. So it, it gives them an advantage. And the, the speed at which transactions are done, which for your generation, that's a, that's yeah, a mean, huge thing. Everybody in my generation, we've grown up in our, I don't know what our attention span is now. I thought I saw something maybe a couple of years ago that said our attention span is about the same as a goldfish. It's, <laughs> it's that low. So I don't know what, how that makes you feel, but it just tells you our generation, my generation, especially, um, we want it now. We want it now. We don't want to wait a week to get a loan approved. We don't want to. We want. To, we want it to do it, and the next business day it drops into our bank account, so we yeah. can use it. I mean, and that's a great thing with Square. My brother, my mom, they run. They run their businesses through Square, and we talked about this on the other episode. But you know, they own the data. They know how much revenue is coming in on your business since it's on their platform. So they are literally. They know how much money you're making. They know if you're profitable or not. So they're willing to email you and say, hey, we see that you're making money. We want to loan you up to this amount of money at this interest. And here you go. Take it or leave it. And Clay says he gets, my brother Clay, who you know runs his business through Square, he gets emails all the time. He has a profitable business and Square just keeps asking him, hey, we'll loan you. We'll loan you this amount. We'll loan you this amount. We'll loan you this amount. So they're going to the customer. The customer isn't coming to them. Yeah, and we'll get into that. We'll, we're going to tie this. We're going to tie this in. The other thing I wanted to share was they also are. They also One are. One thing I wanted to say though. Oh, go ahead. So you said that it costs them twenty to forty bucks to get a customer. Yeah. Not only do they, it's easier from the for them to get the customer, but also they do a good job keeping the customer. That's yeah. a huge part of the business because like they they go to the customers that they already have and say, hey, so you're being doing good. Here's this amount of money give you more money to keep, keep your business going right. where banks aren't going to be like, we gave you this loan. We're not going to come to your door and say, Hey, you know, you got to come to us to get another loan, but right. you know, they just do a good job getting them and then keeping them. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to also say that they're also into the stock trading. Uh, so like Robin hood just went public this week. Stock went up hard. Um, I thought the trolls were getting after it. I don't know. Clay, Clay, <laughs> My brother bought a little bit of it, and he, I'm like, oh man, I'm. He sold it. Oh, he did. Yeah, he oh, sold it. He well, doubled his money. It was up 100. Yeah, see, I think the trolls were trying to get after it because what they did for uh, AMC and GameStop, oh, yeah, and they were right. all 
butt hurt, so I bet all the trolls out they were there pumping were pumping it and dumping pumping, it, pumping Robin Hood up just to troll him because they're like, "Well, screw you for what you did to us." Yeah, and that could be, and that he got nervous because I asked him last night we were having dinner. And he's like, yeah, I sold it. And I'm like, wow, that's surprising. He's like, well, I doubled my money. And then I got to thinking, are they going to pump it and dump it? So anyway, but um, so Robinhood is kind of the big name in that in that space. And Square offers stock also. And it's the same kind of platform. The way they do that is um, the way they offer commission-free trades is the information on who's buying and how much they're buying they're sharing that with the big brokers and the brokers are basically paying them um, to have that information. And because of the delay, which we're not going to get into all this, but there, there's some money to be made by the big, by the big frequency traders and the, and the big, um, the big brokers by having that information. That's why they're doing it. But for the guy that wants to buy, you know, he's set up that every two weeks he wants to buy, you know, three or $400 worth of stock or three or $400 worth of a mutual fund, they can do it and they pay no fee. And it's super, it's quick, it's easy. You don't have to call somebody, um, all that. Uh, yeah, I saw Fidelity. Uh, Fidelity is trying to, you know, top, I think they're trying to compete with Vanguard. If you guys know anything about ETFs, Vanguard's been the ETF, you know, that's where you go if you're going to start ETFs and index funds and mutual funds or whatever, you go to Vanguard. But Fidelity's offering these insane low fee ETFs because I think they're trying to top Vanguard. Yeah. I and think it's, that's it's for young kids on Robinhood and, you know, cash app and all these other platforms that you can do investing on now. That's really, that's really intriguing because we're trying to get the lowest fee we possibly can. So I think Fidelity is doing a good job on that. It's demographics. Yeah. They're seeing because the boomers are getting older and they're not trading as much. And they're not on these platforms right. as much as the young kids are. So the people that are that are creating the momentum in the market are getting younger. I mean, that's just how it goes because people as they get older, they get they want to take on less risk and they move towards income. They move towards dividend paying stocks and income producing stocks and they aren't trading. The frequency of trading is less. And traditionally, that trading has been pretty consistent in that you got a job, you got a 401k, you got you know, you went and found a financial rep if you were on your own and, and he told you to put your money in a mutual fund and you had it set up and you went and got your advice from them. These younger people, they, they don't do that. They're, they're making their own decisions. They're doing their own research. And so uh, Square is, is all about that. The other thing that they're doing is they are allowing people to buy Bitcoin through their platform. And full disclosure, I mean, that's where I've bought just about all of my Same here. Bitcoin. I bought all my Bitcoin on Cash App. Yeah, that's the other thing, Dad, for, forgot to mention. Cash App's just like Venmo where you can send money to your friends, but you also can invest on there too, yep. which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's and something Venmo doesn't have, which I think maybe they're trying to work towards They that. are. Yeah. I mean, everybody is right. because it's the market's getting so big. Yep. And we should have had the David Lee uh, disclaimer on the front of this. This is not financial advice. Yeah, no we're, financial advice, guys. We're just talking about, you know, what... What excites it's our us. opinion. Yeah, what it, excites us and what we want to what we are high on in the future and yeah, all the good things. Don't do what I do because yeah. that that track record's not very good. <laughs> but anyway, um so they they're doing Bitcoin now and they're probably going to get into Ethereum and 
Um, Jack Dorsey, who is the CEO, and he's the he's kind of the founder of Square and Twitter and Twitter. He gets a he's he's equally hated by about everybody because um, well, of this. the whole the whole Twitter deal. Yeah. Um, but they are they are moving towards a platform where they're going to be able to trade Ethereum. And then the other thing that they're working on is developing their own hardware wallets. And we're not going to get into hardware wallets, but basically where you can store your cryptocurrency off off the internet off of the platform off the platform on because in the early stages of crypto and bitcoin people would buy on these um trading, trading softwares or whatever and then the owners stole their stole their bitcoin yeah. because they didn't get them off the platforms so yeah. i don't think that's going to obviously happen with cash app because we're so far along now there's so many yeah. people investing in it and they'd, they'd be stupid to do that you know jack dorsey isn't going to just take everybody's yeah. money that doesn't have a, a wallet and obviously they're working towards getting wallets yeah so. but you got to put it in a hardware wallet so it gets off the basically phone. once you have so they say if it's not if you don't what is own it? your keys and own your crypto or if you don't own your own keys you don't own the crypto right. or something so like yeah. that or if it's not your keys it's not your crypto yeah not your keys not your crypto that's what yeah. people say so the other thing that I thought was really interesting is if if you go on and you look at Jack Dorsey and you look at him when he was at Twitter and they actually fired him off Twitter um, and then they brought him back because Twitter was in trouble and um, when they fired him, when they threw him out, they let him keep his stock. So he's still a huge shareholder in it. Um, and then they brought him back and he made a lot of changes and Twitter you know, became what it is. Um, but if you look at him there, he is your typical corporate three-piece suit, um, fits in, you know, talks to talk, walks the walk. But you can see the evolution of his thought process. Um, and he was just on a he was just on a podcast about Bitcoin with Elon Musk and the Raul, Kathy Wood, Kathy Wood, Kathy Wood um, Ark Invest from Ark Invest, and. He was wearing a tie-dye. He was wearing a long-sleeve tie-dye shirt, and he has a Fu Manchu beard, and he was wearing uh, board shorts and flip-flops. And Summer a lot time, baby. And he's let his he's let his beard go gray, and he doesn't look corporate at all. And people people were kind of chastising him about it, but I th- and people were talking about this too. And I follow this opinion. Um, he he sees himself and he sees Square as a as a um, an equalizer. His goal and Square's goal is to make the financial world work for everybody, even the the least, uh, the least afforded people, the people that have the least advantage. Um, and I think he just doesn't care. I think he's to the point where he does not. He does not. He's not he's corporate not at all. To please anybody. No, he doesn't give a flying f he does not care at all and so um i think the financial world well i think all this new technology like you said is it's good yeah it's i do good. too these i think people are trying to figure out how to get everybody involved so they can yep. invest for the future which i think is a good yep and we figured out that relying on other people with our money is not a good idea yeah. especially uh the government and right. um so yeah anyway that was my final thought on that and our second our second point is just Bitcoin and what has happened and what has changed um, in the short time that it's kind of come to the forefront of the conversation uh, with the financial markets. And, you know, today the price, 
the price is not back to the high that it was. It was up, you know, it was 65, some around there was its highest. And as we speak, it's 43 something. But the price is strong and the supply, the amount of supply that's actually on the chain, on the exchanges is, is down. And that means that a lot of people are buying. And I was listening to pomp, yesterday anthony popliano he's a really good bitcoin expert so if you're looking to learn about bitcoin and you're not and you're watching this podcast which we're thinking he's he's good stuff he has a new podcast and and youtube and it's called the best business show yeah period i think think is what it is i literally think it's the best business show and it's him and his brothers and it's pretty interesting but i think he gave the statistic that over 50 percent of the bitcoin that's in existence hasn't moved in over a year and um, if you add in what hasn't moved in the last 90 days, I think it's like 63%. Mm-hmm. So there's a pile of people that own it. And just stacking it. Just stacking it. I think why it went down, and this is just my personal opinion, is all those people that were invested really early, when it yeah. hit the peak, yeah. they sold. Because yeah. they've been holding it way, 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 way long. Yeah, I mean, you could have bought it for a dollar. Right. And I, I mean, think those people are the ones that got out, and that's why it kind of went down. But yeah. With that stat, it just tells you all these young people and all these other people are getting in it, believing in it, and they're holding it now. Yeah, it kind of coincided with the IPO of Coinbase. Uh, When Coinbase went public, um, then from there, it kind of sold off. And I think there were a heck of a lot of guys, people involved with Coinbase that held a lot of Bitcoin from the very beginning. And it's awful tempting when it gets to 60-some thousand to be (laughs) like, you know, I think I might take a little of this. look at your cash app and it says... (laughs) <laughs> five million dollars and you can sell and make it it's like oh i better do that the mining revenue so there's more people mining it the mining moved out of china it's moving to other places in the world a lot of place a lot of it's coming to america just in the last 24 hours and this is 24 hours old um there's over 36 million dollars made mining bitcoin Man. which is just mind-boggling i saw an article i didn't read it but i saw the title and it said Bitcoin mining might become the most profitable business in 2021 because, yeah, that that whole China thing has just completely changed the deal if you're in it in America. Cause yeah. it's like if you're already established, like our guest Grant Hilbert here, he has a little bit of a Bitcoin mining operation yep. going. He's here. He's already got it going. He's in a good spot. He's in a good spot a for good, sure. Good guy. On an average day, there's over $8 million worth of transactions on on the bitcoin uh, blockchain on the network which is is and it's growing all the time um it's over 250 it's up over 250 percent in the last 12 months and gold's actually down 11 percent over the last 12 months a lot of people think that in uncertain times people go to gold and that kind of has been true throughout past history but as of recently, it, it isn't. And there's a lot of people trying to explain that away as to why. But I think part of it has to do with people that traditionally have gone to gold that are younger. They see Bitcoin as a better version of gold. Yep. Um, and I think it's hurting. I think it's hurting the gold market in the fact the volumes aren't there like they have been in the past. And Well, it's everything that's good with it. Bitcoin is everything gold, all the good things about gold, and and then some. Right. It's, it, you know, it's, we always talk about it. You can't go to the supermarket and 
throw gold on the t- table and say, hey, I want to pay for this. But you might eventually in the future maybe be able to pay with a little bit of Bitcoin. Well, you actually can if you want to, but you shouldn't do that. You, right. should, hold your, you right. should hold your Bitcoin. Hold your Bitcoin, but it's just faster and everything else. It's easier to use. So Over that same 12 months, the S&P 500 is up 35%. And we can argue about how much of that is real and how much of that is due to inflation. Um, but uh, that's the numbers. The five-year return on Bitcoin is over 6,000%. Let that sink in. Where, where was I five years ago? Why didn't I? Yeah, what were you doing? Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I was probably just trying to keep you out of trouble, probably. I would imagine. Or fighting with your brother. Task. Yeah, was it was task. a lot. It took a lot out of me. Yeah. Um, so September 1st is when El Salvador switches over officially to they're going on the Bitcoin standard. And that was kind of the first country that was going to go wholehearted adoption. But um, recently, a lot of crazy stuff going on in Africa and I think there's a lot of people that are speculating that Nigeria may actually be the first country that goes to full-blown... They bit. Beat, they'll beat El Salvador? Well, the, not officially. Here's the thing. The government of Nigeria has tried very hard to crack down on Bitcoin. And the reason they did that was because they're not real honest players. And they were, they were extracting a lot of tariff, tax, and fee money from people doing import export out of Nigeria, which just mm-hmm. about everything they consume for finished goods are imported right. and they export. I don't know if they ex- export cotton or uh, if there's minerals they export. I don't know, but they, they export raw materials they and they import more materials than they probably do export. Probably. Yeah. And they've been, you know, they're running on the dollar cause that's what everybody trades in. And all of the banks, the government stepped in and they were, I want I want to say they were tariff. They were putting tariffs on stuff coming into the country and taxing uh, the people as far as the income they were making that were doing it. And so what people started doing, and a side note is they have one of the youngest populations in the world. Mm-hmm. So the people... The uh, boomers are, there's fewer boomers, yep, way more younger. Yeah, I mean, the, the life expectancy I can imagine in Nigeria is not as, not as great as it is other places in the world. Africa is a tough, tough place. And... Um, so their population is younger mm-hmm. and they have a lot of young people. Those yeah. people have, you know, like, just like everywhere, they embrace technology, they're on their phones. Yeah. And a lot of these people involved in that, they started, they started trading in through Bitcoin, using Bitcoin to pay. Mm-hmm. They were converting their money to Bitcoin and then they were using that to pay for the goods that they were importing without, in the country. Without the government's help right. anything. And so the government Man. couldn't extract their pound of flesh. And so their first... Their first effort was to, they made all the banks shut down converting money into crypto. Oh, okay. They froze all that. So they basically outlawed Bitcoin. So you couldn't transfer from your bank account to... And that didn't work. Because then what people, well, they just withdrew their money. Oh. And then they went to, I don't know if they were using Binance, Coinbase. They were using some kind of an exchange, and then they were converting their money there. So were they just writing a check to themselves, probably? I don't don't know how they were doing it, whether they were taking it out through ATMs, going every day and getting whatever the minimum was to do it. I mean, you got to understand, this is probably, these aren't big companies. These are a lot of individuals that are, you know, doing this. Right. Um, And so... Basically, it didn't work, and the government panicked, and they tried to crack down harder, um, and that made it even worse. And so I want to say that the, the, the amount of money used um, 
through Bitcoin in Nigeria over a one month period, I want to say it went up like 80%. Like it, it just exponentially, exponentially grew. Yep. And now it is, the government is kind of backing off because now then they feel like they've lost control. Mm -hmm. And if they don't take all of these restrictions off, they're not going to get any income. They're not going right. to get any sales they tax. Get, yeah, right. They're not going to get nothing. And so um, there's a lot of speculation that by the end of the year, Nigeria may actually be ahead of El Salvador. Because the people are already doing it. Because the people are driving it, not the government. Now, mm. the difference is in That's El Salvador, the, know that. the government, they want, you know, they want it right. because they... They believe in it. Right. They And that, that goes into fiat currency, basically. So if you're a country and you're trading in the U.S. dollar, but you're not the U.S., and the U.S. prints money like they're printing, and you inflate the currency, if you're using that money... You can't do shit about it. Right. You get all the inflation, but you can't print any more money because you're using dollars, so your economy just suffers. And that's why El Salvador has decided, you know what? Screw, screw you, you. Yeah. we're going on the Bitcoin standard. And ironically, Moody's, which is a big uh, rating company, they they um, they dropped the rating for El Salvador's debt because they went to the Bitcoin standard. Well, Moody's is is well is well greased by the World Bank and by the uh, the Fed, and so they're not gonna you know their rating in that case. If you're not using the dollar, the rating means nothing. So anyway. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is just as early as um, December, Jamie Dimon, who's the president of uh, J.P. Morgan, he basically said, I got his quote, if you're stupid enough to buy buy it, Bitcoin, uh, you'll pay the price for it. And that was in December of 2020. And today, J.P. Morgan is offering Bitcoin and Bitcoin Grayscale Trust, uh Bitcoin to their wealthiest customers. Um, so their whole... His premise is completely... Yeah, he's he's decided, oh, wait, we better get, we better we better get on this. this. Get on it. And so basically, I think banks are scared to death of what can happen. And it goes back to what we talked about a little bit with Square in the fact that Bitcoin is going to simplify the financial world an awful lot to where you're not going to need nearly as many banks and the banks aren't going to be as big a part of financing as they are today. Right. Cause the blockchain and Bitcoin and everything. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up. There's so many people at the beginning of this that just were hating on Bitcoin. So many people. And then you just slowly see it. Just people are just turning, turning their opinions there. Yeah. I think you're right. They're, they're getting scared because they know if they don't jump on it, they're going to be screwed. Yeah. And for the future, when did he announce that he was doing that? Like just a few weeks ago, just so like three weeks. Is ago, that what you said uh, the other day when you told me that they're not real? They're not that. It's like a secret. It's like you got to ask your financial advisor for a Bitcoin or a, a cryptocurrency ETF or what yeah. was it? So that wasn't that wasn't J.P. Morgan. I think that that was U.S. Bank. They said I don't know if it was if it was J.P. Morgan or whether it was. Um, it could have been. Um, but it was one of the big banks, and what they said was that they told all their representatives that they can't recommend, they're not allowed to recommend Bitcoin. Their advisors. But if any of their, if any of their customers ask for that, they will offer them Bitcoin ETF. Or, well, there isn't a Bitcoin ETF in the United States yet. There is in Canada, but um, Grayscale Trust is traded 
And it's basically a Bitcoin ETF that they just formulated a little differently. And so, yeah, on the one hand, their their public thing is that they're not recommending it. But if anybody asks them, they'll do it because they don't want to miss out on that business. And right. it's growing exponentially. Um, another interesting thing that came up this week, it's hard to get it all in. Um, I've got more thoughts written down than what we should probably try to get through because we're going to try to I think keep we're it. flying through pretty good. Okay. What's, what are we at for time? 40 minutes. Oh, we're good. Okay. So Saudi Arabia, a few years ago, Saudi Arabia, uh, they made a publicly traded company for their oil business. And it's the third largest business in the world. And uh, their supply of oil is greater than the next two people in the oil business, I think, combined. Like, I think... I think Exxon and Shell, if you combine their oil reserves, it's not even half of what Saudi Arabia has. I mean, <laughs> what's the company called? It's Saudi Aramco. Saudi Aramco. Yeah. Gotcha. And they produce a heck of a lot of uh, natural gas. They call it flare gas because they just burn it off because, well, because they don't care because all they want is the oil. Mm-hmm. And they are in talks with Bitcoin mining companies. They want to capture all of that um, flare gas and use it to power generate or to make electricity and mine Bitcoin. Off Partner the, with the Bitcoin miners or do their own thing? You just think? do their own thing. Or start prob- mining Bitcoin for themselves and using that method so they yep. earn zero power, their power bills. Yeah, so it's green power, right, right. basically. Completely change the narrative on it and you're not going to have shit for power bill. On the surface, you look at that and you go, oh, well, yeah, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is... Anywhere in the world that you trade oil, you buy oil, you sell oil, it is settled in U.S. dollars. If Saudi Arabia, who is the largest producer of oil in the world, start mining Bitcoin, why would they trade oil in U.S. dollar? And somebody's going to comment this. They're going to say because the U.S. government tells them that that's what they got to do. And you see, they tried this back, I think, in the 70s when the U.S. went off the gold standard. Mm-hmm. So 50 years ago, ago this month, the United States went off the gold standard. Yep. And we've been on what they call fiat currency ever since. So in other words, a dollar... is backed by anything. Pre-71, a dollar was backed by gold. Yep. Basically, all world currencies were on the gold standard, I think. Um, after that... It's, it's based on a promise. Yeah. And ironically, what's the old, do you know what the oldest surviving currency in the world is today? Mm, the yen? Nope. Nope. I don't know. Peso? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Dollar? The, the British pound. British pound. So the British pound has been around since 1694 or 1696. 1690, something. Like that. something. And so the British pound was based on a troy pound of silver, which I think is roughly 12 ounces. So a pound was worth 12 ounces of silver. Do you know what a British pound is worth in silver today? One twentieth of one ounce of silver. <laughs> and that depends on the exchange rate because it's not based on anything. Right. So it has survived in name only. I mean, it isn't, it's, yeah, it's not, it's worthless. It's Just not like, backed by anything. It's not backed by anything. But so the U.S. So when that when we did that, we went off the gold standard. Uh, OPEC, uh, yep. they didn't want to trade oil in U.S. dollars, and the U.S. government basically told them that either they were going to do it or uh, we were going to, I guess, march in there, sail in there, whatever, and make them do it. And you know the oil embargo went on, 
I, I don't know. I was, I was one or two years old, you know, or I was two years old in 72. Um, but today the difference is if they're mining the Bitcoin and you get enough countries that start to go to that standard, I think the U.S. will have a really hard time. Yeah, because if everybody else is like, yeah, we're down with it, Saudi. We're, gonna, we're rocking with you. And then U.S. isn't. He, yeah. are going to be like, screw you. So it's, it's, that makes for interesting, interesting times. Well, yeah, and it, it's gonna, that, could be, that could be completely reversed. They, Saudi could put, our, put their boot on our neck and say, well, we're not doing business with you unless you do it our way because everybody else is going to do it our way. Well, and that's right. And you, we were at a point of oil independence. The problem with our oil independence was the cost of production for most shale in the United States is above $40. And I want to say even for deep water, uh, Gulf of Mexico is close to $40. Do you know what Saudi's cost for a barrel of oil is? Hmm. Less, somewhere around 10 bucks, a little <laughs> less than 10 bucks. Why is just they just ha- there's just so much to get that it's just basically you shovel the sand out of the way and you can start pumping oil. I mean it's yeah. very close to the surface. Right. It's very easy to get. Labor's cheap. Cost of production very low. Yeah. And you offload it right into the Suez Canal and off you go. So, so is US their biggest customer? That's why they So no. why do they back down to the US then? Like if they're the biggest one why do they back down? They they pretty much control the oil market, don't they? Well, they do and they don't because, um, and not to get political, but when Trumpy was in, he had us down to where we weren't buying, basically we weren't buying any oil overseas. We we produced, we actually were exporting oil yeah. from the United States. So we really didn't need to buy any oil. Now that's not to say that we maybe didn't buy oil. We may have bought oil from it's the not. Saudis just because, just to be, because we're tight with them, because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so you got the Saudis who aren't real nice players in the Middle East, but compared to Iran, they're Boy Scouts. Yeah. So we've got very strong relationships with Saudi well, they Arabia. Want, they just wanted to keep the peace and right. a little bit, I mean, but not rely on them completely. But are we back to now where we're just relying on more buying all the oil? I think we're buying oil from all kinds of people. In yeah. fact, somebody, I, I read an article, we're buying oil from Russia. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Did we stop production, a lot of production in the United States? Well, I uh, think we oil? have because the price of oil got down to where they couldn't make it work. So like your shale, your fracking, um, I think that has tailed off because mm-hmm. it's not as profitable. And, the, you know, you can't afford to pump it if you're losing right. money. So, gotcha. But anyway, that's kind of off the subject. But I think that's a really big development that if it plays out, will change the game not only on Bitcoin, but the world economy. So the last thing, and this isn't at, at, on the surface, this is not nearly as tied to what we're talking about as what you would think, but it is because it just shows you the amount of change that is coming and nobody's really sure how quick any of this is going to happen. And what I'm going to talk about is Tesla. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this week, the White House had a, they had a, uh, a summit. They had a summit. Oh, uh, EV summit, pretty yep. much. Yep. And uh, they had all the best and brightest companies uh, that are in the EV space. Oh, wait, no. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They had GM, Ford, and Chrysler, who are not anywhere near the best and brightest in the EV space. And they didn't invite Tesla. And that got a lot of press. And uh, Governor Pete 
Budadovich or whatever his name is. Clay told me how to say his name, and I don't know. But he was a former governor of Illinois, which if you're a governor in Illinois and you're not in jail, that just means you're really crooked because I think, I don't know, I think like the last four of them have been in jail. I don't know, something like that. Um, But they didn't invite Tesla. And they're talking about that they want the United States to be at 50% of the vehicles sold to be electric by 2030. Mm Mm-hmm. And the company that owns 74% of the EV market wasn't invited. Why is that? I don't, do you have a theory? Well, I, you told me your theory, so I better let you just tell, tell them your okay. theory as to why so, that is. So here's my theory. If I was to channel my Joe Biden and uh, Governor Pete said, we're going to have this, and should I invite Tesla? Joe would be like, did they, did they donate to my campaign? And Pete be, No. Uh, did they give any money to the Democratic Party? Uh, no. Uh, did they give any money to any of the lobbyists? Uh, no. Are they union? No. Did they spend any money advertising on CNN or any of the big media? Nope. Oh, well, screw them. We're not having them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think the biggest thing out of that was they're not union. But the really funny thing about it is uh, this administration talks a lot about uh, Made in America. And do you know who has the most... Made in America vehicle, Tesla. The Model 3, it either the Model 3 or the Model Y is the most made in America car. And the Mustang Mach-E, which is Ford's fantastic electric vehicle, it's made in Mexico. So it doesn't even qualify. And Tesla is, by rights, the most made in America auto maker right now. Right now. Tesla not only is owns that market, but they're more profitable. They are more profitable on their EVs than your traditional automakers are selling regular gas cars. So the the most recent quarter we've got is the second quarter, 2021, and the gap profit per auto delivered for Ford, $734 a car. And I'll just say, uh, if you look at Ford's annual report, and I haven't looked at 2021, but I looked at 2020 when I was really digging down the Tesla rabbit hole. They lose money on every vehicle they sell except one. Which Ford, one's that? Ford F-150. Ford F-150. The Ford F-150 is the... If, basically, if you take the Ford F-150 out of their lineup, Ford loses piles of money. They pretty much... Every other vehicle they sell, they lose money on, but they make a fortune on the Ford F-150. Um but their average, when you average it all out, they make $734 a car. GM is at $1,558. Tesla, $5,673. For every car they sell. For every car they sell. And every car they make, they sell. They have no inventory. Yeah, there's no dealership. You don't buy a Tesla at a dealership. No. They send it to you. They're not overproducing. Right. They're, every car they make, it is sold. I think the nice thing about that White House deal is it makes a lot of people realize that, one... Uh, Tesla. Well, it just kind of goes. The thing with it is, his whole idea was to get this. He wants EVs. He wants green energy by 2030. Well, that kind of just defeats the whole purpose of your summit, your right. your thing, because you're not going to have the number one player right now, right there. I think that just kind of shows the hypocrisy of government, and it's not just the Biden thing. It, it politics in general, politicians in general, it's all about money. Yeah, I, if it's you money and power. It, it is. It's follow the money. Follow yeah. the freaking money. Dig and follow the money as to why they're doing the things that they're doing, and you'll find out the reason. 
And the other thing about Tesla is they're ahead of everybody technology-wise. They spend more money on R&D. They have real scientists. They have real material scientists. Well, you know what comment we're going to get? What? And this is the comment I get from most people that don't know shit about Tesla. You can really tell when someone doesn't know anything about EVs when they say, well, I saw some commercials and I saw a BMW coming out with, or Volkswagen coming out with something and Ford's coming out with something and GM's going to be coming out with something. I don't know if that Tesla's going to hold up. Yep. What do you say to those people? Because that is the, I think that is the number one thing and reason why people aren't believing in Tesla 100%. I see it right. when I when I look in on Twitter and I see somebody saying, are you a, are you somebody that believes in Tesla in the comments or something like that? The comments are always like, nope, because Ford and GM and Volkswagen, they're, they're catching up. Just wait. They're, they're coming. They're, they're coming. What do you say to that? Because I know that's what people are thinking. So what I say to those people is, I ask them, do you know how many kilowatt hours of battery supply GM has? And they don't know. They don't know. Do you know how many kilowatt hours of battery supply Volkswagen has? They don't know. So if you're going to sell EVs, you have to have a supply of batteries. The limiting factor to how many cars you can sell and is how produce. many and produce is how many batteries can you get? And by that, how many kilowatt hours, or if you're really good, how many gigawatt hours? The only car company out there today that has a plant with bat that's actually making their own batteries is Tesla. And they have patents on it. The technology that helps them produce the batteries. Right. Um, but then they also have relationships with every other battery, battery manufacturer. Name them. LG, Panasonic. CATV, Panasonic, uh, That's okay. Samsung. Maybe. Did I say Samsung? Samsung, Panasonic, C... I don't know. Anyway, all the ones that are doing it, they got relationships with them. Um, so GM's building a battery factory, and they figured out that it's not big enough and they need to build another one. And the first one they got... I think has barely started. Uh, Volkswagen, the company they were going to partner with to build all their battery factories, that already fell apart and they're going somewhere else. And if you watch them, they tell you that they're going to have this many kilowatt hours of batteries by this date. And when they say this date, write that down the next time you see that on a clip and then wait a year and they'll say the same thing and then see what that, what that by this year, because that year just keeps getting further. I can I can go find you on on YouTube the head of GM talking about by 2025 they're going to have 30 vehicles and they're going to have this many that they're selling and they're going to have this much battery. And if you watch the most recent, now then they're talking 2030 because they know by 2025 they ain't going to have it. Meanwhile, meanwhile Tesla Tesla's already doing it. Yeah, they're, they're buying doing it. all the batteries from all these battery manufacturers. They're they're building their own batteries right now and buying all the batteries, most of the batteries. And they're buying the raw materials. So they have contracts with Piedmont Lithium. They have contracts. MP materials. MP materials. They have contracts with mining companies for nickel in Australia. They have contracts. They're buying the raw materials to guarantee that the manufacturers that they work with or themselves have the raw materials to make the batteries. Nobody else is doing that. They're doing the Henry Ford. They're doing the Henry Ford model. Yeah, they are. And um, the other thing I thought that was really interesting is on this last earnings call, production among all the automakers has been restrained because of this chip shortage. 
you've seen that there's there's some video of like uh, Ford has just rows and rows and rows of of F one fifty sitting because they're missing this chip and. So basically, they make the truck, and then they're missing the chip, and when the chips come in, they go out to get the trucks to put the chips in, and then they ship them. What Tesla did through this was, and I think it's 15 different ones, they have their own in-house um, coding software department, and they were rewriting the code on chips that were available. So, you know, there's chips that weren't directly built for the application that they needed them for, but that, that would work if they wrote the code to make them work. So they were rewriting code, code on software for chips so that they could use them instead of the chip that they traditionally got. So this year, there are Teslas with 15 different chips, chips in them. But they just, doing re- the same, just doing, rewrote the code. So, they rewrote the code. So they could get them going. Nobody else is doing that. Mm-mm. Everybody else is like, well, we'll just park until of, we get the right chip. Yeah. One other point about it. Ford, GM... Volkswagen all got to convince you to buy a gas combustion engine yeah. car, right? Truck, so that they can turn around, and take that money, and then fund their electric vehicle production. Yeah. While Tesla is already convincing you to buy an electric vehicle, all the money they're making is from electric vehicles. Well, they do more than just electric vehicles, but they don't have to convince you to buy a gas combustion engine vehicle. They're selling you electric vehicles now. And they're already way ahead of everybody in production now. Yeah. And what are the stats on the on the Tesla's vehicles? You told me yeah. the other day. I what I was trying to find was where the Tesla Model Three or the Model Y, whichever one sells the most, where it can where it ranks compared to a Toyota Camry. Because obviously the Ford F one fifty is the best selling vehicle in the United States. And, um, but Tesla doesn't make a pickup yet. Uh, Cybertruck will be coming the end of this year, beginning of next, whatever. But, um, like where a Model 3 compares to a Toyota Camry or whatever. And I couldn't find that. Um, I know that they are the best selling in the, in the EV, uh, market. Um, they are the best selling and they own 74%, but I could not find, I heard, I heard what they were, but I wanted to make sure it was right and I couldn't find it. But to what your point was, traditional auto, they're going to have to eat their own because currently all the, all the vehicles they sell their EVs, they lose money on. So the only thing they make money on is gas cars and diesel trucks. So they've got to convince you to keep buying those. And then at some awkward point, somewhere, and I don't think any of them have any idea how they're going to do this. At some point, they have got to switch... Right. And they've got to all at once tell you, oh, I wouldn't buy one of those. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the economy of scale to where they can actually make money on the EVs. And when they do that, then they'll drop the gas like it's a yeah. bad, There's, bad habit. The, yeah, right. But the whole time they're pumping you, they're pumping you that, yep, do this, do this, do this. And then over here, they're trying to get it. And I don't think it's going to work. I think, I don't know, I don't know who will go bankrupt. But somebody will. And the other thing is, that's where the government, you don't know what the government's going to do because um, the union's very powerful. And as you know, up until now, Tesla's not union. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for union against union. I don't have much experience with union. I just know that all of your legacy automakers are union and that's a powerful lobby and they want to preserve those jobs. But the truth is, the other side, and this is a dirty little secret that 
they don't want to tell you is you don't need near as many people to build an electric vehicle as you do a gas vehicle. Well, yeah, you just don't. People don't get that, and they don't understand. What's in a what's in an EV? What's in an EV? A fucking battery, a chip, battery in the motor, in the motor. So much is happening. You know, there's two there's two plants coming on Austin and Berlin and uh, Tesla Semi. So they're not sitting. You know, they're not. They're so far ahead, and they're just they're just going. They're just. They're yeah, just they continuing to, to innovate. They're so ahead of everybody, and they're not stopping for nobody. Yeah. So and yeah, let's hit on the semi a little bit. What uh, what does Ford produce a semi? Does no. GM produce a semi? No, both does of them used Volkswagen to. Volkswagen produce a semi. Well, yeah, used to, but they don't do it anymore. They used to. They spun all that off, and, and I don't know where it's at. Now. Uh, you know, s- semi truck drivers will be like, I am never driving a Tesla. Tesla semi. Well, shit. They probably won't. You won't even probably have to get in the truck. There probably won't be a driver te- driving a Tesla semi. So it doesn't really matter. That is a good tie-in. So you know they're all trying to. They all say that's a lot big thing that I think truck drivers are like. I'm never buying a Tesla semi. Well, they they don't need you to drive one. Well, the thing is, you will because the cost of ownership is going to be so much lower that you'll get to the point where you can't afford not to. And this and this the other thing is we're not talking about Tesla solar. You know, Tesla solar. They're trying to put Tesla solar tiles on everybody's you know house. You know, they're trying to sell you a Tesla Powerwall so you can charge your Tesla in your garage, and then you might as well put the solar tiles on your house if you got the freaking uh, Tesla Powerwall. And we're not talking about the, you know, autonomous driving and what that could lead to. And we're not talking about the boring company where he's boring tunnels under cities. And, you know, if I was Elon Musk and I owned a car company and I was boring tunnels that could make everybody's life a little bit more convenient, I would only make people drive my cars in yeah. that tunnel. And I wouldn't let any gas combustion engines in there. So the a neat, uh, this is off a little off subject, but talking about boring. So um, the Austin plant, they're actually boring underneath the plant because it's so large that they decided rather than try to move the raw materials to the different parts of the plant through it, they're just boring underneath of it. Boring tunnels. And so the freight and all of the raw materials that they need will come, the coils of steel will come to a central area, and then it'll actually go underneath the the plant floor through tunnels and come up exactly where they need it. And then the other cool thing that I'm pretty sure that this is this is official, like it's going to happen, is they're planning to bore two tunnels from kind of downtown Austin out to the plant so that the people that work there don't have to fight the traffic. Um, They can just take the tunnel um, from the plant back to downtown to go home wherever they live. live. So their commute will be much less. And, And that's, you know, that's something that's going to happen a lot of other places it's just how long it takes to roll that out and and you know how it goes i don't know but it's going to happen i think that is a real quick i feel like i talked really fast and um a lot of you are probably scratching your head a little bit and asking me what's in that cup and i'm not going to tell you what's in there (laughs) but um the conclusion to this and this is where i wanted to get to when you sit and you think about these, and these are just three examples, there is, there is a lot of stuff happening with technology and automation, and where it goes ties into where we're at as far as with what's happened with COVID. And um, when we shut down, 
and now we're still trying to recover. One of the most common, I know all of you that are watching this or listening to this, you are either a business owner or a farmer or you work for a company. And if I ask you about labor, you're going to say, we can't find anybody to work. You know, we can't, we can't get employees. I know a concrete company not very far away from us that needed to hire 30 concrete drivers for this, for this summer. And they were paying something like 26 or 28 bucks an hour plus overtime. They can't get anybody hired to drive some, to drive a cement truck. Um, and I know contractors and contractors can't get anybody to work, but you know, there's restaurants that are cutting hours because they can't get work. Well, you know what's happening? These large companies, and you've seen at Walmart, I, I'll use Walmart as an example, but you know, you go to Walmart, and I don't know what yours is like, but ours, there's fewer and fewer checkers, fewer and fewer checkout lanes. They want you to check out yourself. They want mm-hmm. you to do self-checkout. Yep. And the reason they're doing that, it isn't, I, I don't think it's honestly. It's be- not the convenience for the customer. It's for them so they, don't, they can cut labor costs and they know. Because they don't have the labor anyway. Right, right. They like to do it because they want to cut labor costs, but the truth is they can't get enough people to work anyway. I'll use the I'll use the packing business because I understand that a little bit. You know, the government, when COVID came, they they wanted to shut this line speed down, and they've done it at these packing plants um, because they claim it's for safety, but it's also because they can't on the, on the packer side they can't get enough people to work anyway. Well, what do you think they're going to do? They are going to try to automate every job that they can. And the reason they're going to do that is because they can't get enough people that want to work. Okay, so we've talked about the technology that Square's using and how they, they're basically displacing the traditional banks. We're talking about Bitcoin changing the financial business. We're talking about Tesla changing manufacturing. But let's take that a step for, further. So if, if, you, if you streamline the financial system, you don't need vice presidents of vice presidents of vice presidents because if you go to a bank and you're not a teller, you're a vice president, it seems like. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but everybody's a vice president of something. Yeah. You don't need all them. And if you can get an instant loan approval, you don't need all those people. And if your paycheck is automatically deposited and, and dispersed to all your other checking accounts, if you want, you don't need all these tellers. Nope. So then you don't need all these brick and mortar buildings. You don't need the landscapers. You don't need the janitors. You don't need the window washers. You don't need any of that. And if you're a financial planner, if you're, if you're working for fidelity or you're working for this, or you're working for that, I don't know what all of them are. Um, and you get a generation coming that is going to do their own research and they're going to buy what they want on Robinhood or Cash App. Yeah, and they you don't can, need those they guys. Can, they can do the research themselves. Why would they pay you to do it for them if they already, do, you know, they want to make their own decisions. And then, you know, Bitcoin and the rest of the, the crypto, one thing that's coming that people don't know much about, we don't talk about it very much, is what they call smart contracts. And smart contracts, part of that is just another name for loans. I want to buy this. I want to buy this piece of real estate. I want to buy this boat. I want to buy whatever. Instead of doing a traditional loan with paperwork and lawyers and accountants, you can do what they call a smart contract on the blockchain where 
everybody's credit, everybody's funds, the physical items are verified on the blockchain to where everybody knows it's on the up and up. And everybody knows the, the blockchain verifies whether the payment's been made, so whether the transaction can happen. And that is, I don't know near enough about it, but what I do know is if you get to the point that you can do that, you don't need all the paperwork we have today. So your traditional loans are going to go away. You're not going to have all that paper to sign. You're not going to have title opinions. You're not going to have lawyer fees because a title opinion is somebody going in and looking and making sure that there's no liens against the property, that there's nothing murky about it. Well, when it's all done on the blockchain, the first time it has to be done that it moves to the blockchain, you have to do that title opinion. But if it was clean when you put it on the blockchain, you could sell it 50 times and it's still going to be clean because the only way the transaction closes is if every node on the blockchain okays and says, yep, that's right. That's legit. Yep. So you're eliminating all that. So the first time you put on a piece of property on the blockchain, you got to do all the stuff. I would assume you. Well, yeah, but then after that, you can just sell it on the blockchain. You don't need all that stuff anymore. Right, because it's all verified and there's no way that you can encumber it. The only way you could encumber it, the only way you could put a lien on it is if somebody basically did a smart contract saying, you know, this can't be sold until this is cleaned up, which it would be verified on the blockchain and everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. It's all out there in the clear. Yep. Um, So that's on a professional side. And and you look at these large banks, these huge banks, the number of people, the number of real estate, the all the stuff they own. What are all those people going to do? Don't know. But then let's go a step further. And this is where Tesla comes in. And I think Tesla could be, and I'm not, not just Tesla, I'm EVs in general. When we make the switch to electric vehicles, you're looking at probably one of the greatest fundamental transitions of the labor force in the United States you've ever seen. And the reason for that is because you don't need car dealers because they deal them direct. And the car dealers aren't going to do it anyway because they don't make money on service because these cars don't need serviced. They don't need, they don't need oil change. They don't need transmissions. They don't need any of that stuff. Your, mo- your batteries can go bad and over Tesla time. Tesla comes to your house and fixes it. Right. They have their own service. So you're going to need mechanics, but you're not going to need as many because they don't need as much Work. maintenance. Right. So you're not going to need repair shops. Gas stations. Auto parts stores. Uber. And this is where it gets into full self-driving. If you get a car that'll drive itself, you get a robo-taxi. Taxi, and people go, oh, that'll never happen. It's going to happen. It's it's so close to happen. Go on YouTube, watch the guys that are on version 9.2. They can show you. Waymo's trying to do it. Apple's trying to do it. Everybody's, there's so much money there, it's going to happen. Even if it's not Tesla, and I think it'll be Tesla, but even if it's not, somebody's going to do it. Lyft, Uber, all those drivers, not going to need them. Truck drivers. So Tesla Semi, guys saying, well, I'm not going to drive a Tesla. You may not for a while. But eventually, it's going to get to the point where the long runs going from going from warehouse to warehouse might not need a driver. What are all those people going to do? Um, oil companies, if you displace, say, 2 or 3% of the, of the consumption of oil for gasoline, you know what that does to the price of oil? And yes, the Saudis have the lowest cost there is. But if they didn't think, if they weren't worried that the consumption of oil world over was going to go down, they wouldn't be interested in Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. They, they would have zero they're, interest they're in it. They're smarter than what, yep. you know, they're smart. They know that yep. it's a little it's a little concerning that this EV thing's coming. 
So my point to this, and this is where, you know, somebody might think that I'm in here with a tinfoil hat, um, and it isn't going to happen tomorrow, but my point is, I think that I think that our government knows a lot more about what's coming than what they let on to, and where this is all headed, I think, is universal basic income. And the reason for that is because... Nobody's going to have jobs. Well, half the people aren't. Yeah, right. Well, just more... I think that any industry that has that has positions that you can automate, that you can AI, they are going to be they're going to be replaced. And so what do you do? Well, I think the first thing that you have to do is I think you have to take your blinders off and you have to realize that just because in your lifetime every everything has been a certain way, that is no guarantee that it is going to be a certain way from here on out. Mhm. And the second thing is you need to not rest on the skill set that you have. You have to be willing to learn new things and you have and the other thing is don't listen to me. If you if you listen to me today and and Sawyer and you're like those guys are freaking nuts. There's no way that's going to happen. I am totally good with that. But you need to not just accept that and say I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. You need to go figure out why I'm wrong. You need to figure out why is Torque wrong? Why is what I'm saying today? Why, why is that wrong? Do your own research. And I think what you're going to find is I could be wrong, but what isn't wrong is the fact that tomorrow is not going to be like today. So even if I'm wrong, the reality that will be will still no, be nothing like what the reality is today. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say I don't think you're gonna be. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, you could be wrong on a few things, but right. I don't think you're wrong on everything. But yeah, I'd agree, Dad. I think you got to get some skills outside of your. It, the world we're heading is just absolutely. It's it's exciting, but it's also you know people are gonna have to figure out new new ways to work and new things to do, and you're gonna have to learn to. Uh, gonna have to learn some new skills because it's either get on the train or get ran over and you've seen it with the rise of the internet you've seen it with the rise of social media not too long ago you had uh bag phones in your car not yeah. even 100 years ago my 1993 chevy s10 blazer not, not even 100 years ago you had you had a freaking bag phone look at where we are now i is i i feel like i've read somewhere that the technology rise this, this is the fastest humans have ever you know, the fastest adoption rate. Yeah. Of in technology in history. Like we have just yeah. grown and, um, made our society better faster than ever before. Yeah. It's, and it's just going to get faster. It's the adoption. If you look at the adoption of the telephone and then like the adoption of television, the adoption or the adoption of radio, the adoption of television, the adoption of the PC. I think there's a, I think that's a really good one. If you look at the adoption rate of the personal computer, and then you compare that to the adoption rate of the, the phone. smartphone. Yep. It's exponentially fast or I don't know if I like to use it. exponential is such a good word. It's real it's a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. People move to smartphones a lot faster than they move to PCs. Yeah. And I think I think the as we go the the adoption I didn't say this in the thing but when it comes to Bitcoin the adoption of Bitcoin will be from necessity not from like innovation, people will not adopt it because, oh, that's cool, and it solves a problem for me. Some people will, 
but it will be like the people in Nigeria and other places. It will be out of necessity because as it happens, some people will try to stifle it because they're scared of it and they don't know what's going to happen. So they'll try to stop it. And people that are people that are desperate, they will go to it faster because it is their life preserver to either sustain their life or a better life. And that's what you're going to see. So that, you know, going from a regular flip phone to a smartphone, that's not a matter of like life and death and feeding my family. But there are places in the world that I think you're going to see the change to Bitcoin will be a matter of life or death, life or death. And then the ripple effect of that throughout the rest of the world, that will be, that will make it happen that much. Well, it's more, not really life or death. It's poor or wealthy, poor or well, kind of. Yeah. You're going to feed your family. It's life or death. Right. And I think, I mean, that's what you're seeing in Nigeria. And right. I think you're going to see that other places. Yeah, that was kind of a lot. It's kind of <laughs> a lot. That's a little another, that's another look into our head. But yeah, I just think, yeah, if, like dad said, if you think he's wrong, he thinks he's absolutely lost his shit. Go, go prove, <laughs> go, go see, go see for yourself. You don't have to prove shit. me. I have lost my, I, there's days I totally feel like I've lost my shit. But if you get anything out of this, what I want you to do is go, do your own research on what you think things going to be and and just start digging that's the best thing that's the best thing that happened is you start learning for yourself right. don't just take what other people especially me heck i don't know anything <laughs> it's going to change it's just like you said it's going to change so figure out what what it what that change is going to be yeah because the whole point is the future's coming what is what's the future going to look like and the fact that you got the internet and you got YouTube and you got Google to be able to research like you've never been able to research before. I mean, look at us. We're farm kids in we're farm kids in Southeast Iowa. Well, he ain't really a kid, but we're Oh, I'm a kid. You're a kid at heart. We're farm we're farm boys in Southeast Iowa and we're talking to you about Bitcoin, Tesla, and Square and technology and everything. You think how do you think we learned that? You think we talked to Jack Dorsey? Jack. You think we talked to We Jack would Dorsey? like to talk to Jack. Yeah. <laughs> that podcast when we get Elon on here, maybe we can get Jack too. Yeah, we didn't talk to Jack Dorsey. We didn't talk to Elon Musk. We didn't talk to, you know, uh, Michael Saylor, that's a huge Bitcoin advocate. Yeah. We we research, we listen to interviews with those people on there, you know. Yeah. There's it's all out there. Yeah. Go 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 look at it. Go watch yeah. it. Uh so so my dad tells a story about how um, he remembers one of the last guys in our neighborhood that was farming with horses would not buy would not buy a tractor. Um, pretty much everybody around here had, and this is this is way back. This is pre you know like John Deere. These are people that had uh, like a Twin City. A Twin City was a was a big um, uh, tractor that several people had. Um, I can't remember any of the other ones, but anyway, he, he never did. And you know what? Um, that didn't age very well. And, um, I think that the truth of the matter is that technology, technology doesn't stop. It keeps moving forward, good or bad. And there is good in it. There is, there is bad though, too, in the fact that, um, if you don't, if you don't learn to adapt to it, and use it for good. It can it can come to be it can come to be a bad a bad deal. Um, so that's really I think I'll just leave it there. Um, to go back to the beginning, if you have questions, so our next our next podcast, which we'll do next Friday, we'd really like to have some Q and A. 
So if you guys, and we'll put this out on, on Insta and on Facebook too, as far as asking for questions, but we'd love to sit down and do an episode where we're just answering Q what and people want to know. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. I think that's a really good, I think it'll be good for you guys and it'll be cool for us because we really haven't done like a and a before. I think it'll be interesting, but yeah, we covered a lot today. Just another look into our head. We really appreciate you sticking with us. If you watch this far, send us some questions either on Instagram, either in the comments, email us, whatever, DM us on Instagram, whatever. Go research for yourself. Figure out why Torque's wrong or right. Well, I, I did some talking today, but I didn't do all the talking. Dad's dad's well. I monopolized the conversation. Yes, humor. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you back here next Friday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.